Hey listeners, welcome to Pixels and Ink. Mackenzie here, joined by my awesome co-host Dave. Hello. Hello. Today we have Shanna Vollmer from Seven Bridges Marketing, who shares a bunch of insight with us. Um, just to give you an idea of who she is, she comes from a background of marketing strategy and print and sales and she started her own company about a year and a half ago called Seven Bridges Marketing. Previously she was at a company called JD Young for 20 years. Amazing right? Yep. Uh, so she worked her way up through that organization and then decided that it was time to start her own company where she could go and help transition printers and marketing service providers to give them the tools and resources they need to successfully make this transition. Yeah, one of the interesting things that I gathered from the time that we spent with her is her perspective on why most print companies can't sell marketing services. Yeah, right? she shares she shares a secret top secret uh, tidbit about that. Yeah, which like I think the, is great. the biggest roadblock from her uh, firsthand experience. And then the other thing that she shared, among many, is that uh, from her perspective, if you're the CEO or the owner of one of these uh, print companies, if you're listening to us and, and you happen to be in that role, though, of two or three things that's, that you know she suggests that you do uh, in order to move your company forward if you do want to embrace marketing services. So you don't want to miss that. Some really interesting insights. Yeah, and she also offers some psychological. Uh, what would you call that, Dave? I would call it a psychological tool. Yeah, a psychological yeah. tool that she uses and that she um, thinks about when she starts to work at campaigns and when she started Seven Bridges. And it's just a fascinating way to look at the world. Yeah, so. it, 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 she says that it helps her interrupt and change thought patterns and behaviors in her prospects and her clients Yep. to help them move to the next step in the sales process. So if you're looking for a tip from an expert, something that someone else does to actually move through the sales process, you don't want to miss that either. Yeah, so join us today, listen into the episode. Also, just a reminder that we are doing um, revisit episodes. So mm -hmm. if you do have questions for any of the guests that we've previously had, or the questions that come up for Shanna, make sure to write them down, post them in the blog, send us an email, whatever it is, and we will uh, go back and then be able to ask those questions live to the previous interviewee. Yeah, we're going to invite them back. People like Mike Westner, Mike Robinson, Ted Raymond, who I mm -hmm. think was our last episode. Um, Cece Smith. Cece Smith. Yeah, we'd love to get them back on the show and ask them all your detailed questions. So without further ado, let's talk to Shanna and learn how she makes print more powerful. Hey, Shanna, welcome to our show, Pixels and Ink. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're really excited to have you. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Of course. And something that we always like to start out with is tell us a little bit about yourself when you're not working. So maybe your family, your hobbies, things you like to do on your spare time. Sure. Well, my motto is um, life is better on the water. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> my husband and I and family, we are big into boating. So when we're not working, we're on a lake or an ocean. And I feel like it really sparks my creativity and uh, re rejuvenates my body. And my husband and I jokingly laugh that we really only have jobs so we can make fuel money for the boat. Hey, whatever it does and whatever gets you to where you need to be, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Tell me about your last adventure on a boat or on a water body. Oh, gosh. We travel to the Keys quite a bit mm -hmm. or over to the Bahamas. So we usually venture out from Fort Lauderdale and uh, just wherever it takes us. And again, just kind of getting away from all the, the crazy and uh, to allow, allow ourselves to kind of um, think and uh, rejuvenate. That's fantastic. So Shannon, we gave a little bit of an overview of you in the uh, intro, but tell our listeners about yourself and your company and maybe your career on the whole kind of, you know, what the, what the past couple of years have looked like for you. 
Sure. Um, Shanna Vollmer. Um, I own Seven Bridges Marketing. Um, I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma, born and raised here, and it's where I started my company. Um, spent 20 years, the last 20 years, I guess it would be more than now, closer to 22, and uh, print and marketing. And so that is my background. How did you get into print in the first place? You know, I actually, in 1995, started with a company selling um, analog and then digital equipment. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, my background education's in marketing. Um, so I always knew that, that was my passion and what I wanted to do. But uh, I was selling equipment. And then there was a print division that started our company, and they were going to close it down. So I suggested where we were. I was with a conservative company, so not a lot of marketing going on at the time. So I took over the print division and literally thrown in there, knew nothing about print. I was fortunate, not, fortunate enough to have a mentor that uh, really showed me the way and immediately fell in love with print, like automatically, like, you know, toner and ink in the blood, mm. like everyone else experiences. And um, over time, you know, was able to kind of bring my two loves together, um, both print and marketing. So did you start in sales? Is that right then, your, your first... Uh, job was in sales. Yeah. Cool. Actually, kind of funny. My first job, I well, I grew up in the restaurant business, and I knew I didn't want to do that. Um, but my first sales job, I always tell people, they, when they ask the worst job you ever did, I sold encyclopedias door to door. So wow, wow. I will tell you, nothing in life seemed as hard as that. So selling <laughs> uh, digital equipment, analog even equipment back then, <laughs> wow. was pretty easy compared to where I'd been. So over the years, I'm assuming you've had other mentors. You mentioned the one. Um, what's one piece of business advice that you've received that's really kind of shaped your life and the way you think? Gosh, you know, a few things come to mind, but one that stands out um, is really uh, creating a pattern interrupt. And I heard this, gosh, it's been at least 15 years ago, and I'll refer to her as Jenny the trainer. And she uttered those words, and it really – changed my direction and mainly because I was trying so hard as a salesperson to be like everyone else that I really forgot to be myself and to be that being different was okay. So I always in everything I do is really try to create a pattern interrupt from, you know, just the way I go about business. Um, and then of course, in marketing, that uh, is definitely applies. That's very interesting. I saw Mackenzie, you got, you got this quizzical look on your face, and I know that means, tell me more. Yeah, so it was interesting. At first, when you were started saying that, I didn't understand exactly where you're going with, with it, but um, I actually teach yoga on the side as well, and when we did our training and we get testing to get hired, one of the things that they told us is that your favorite instructor is already taken. And so when you think of your favorite instructor, rather than trying to be them when you teach yoga, you need to find your own personality and your own voice. And that's going to allow you to connect with students and people that are going to come to you for that. The second you said that and you started explaining, I thought that's exactly what you're saying about sales. You know, you can get trained on how to sell and best practices and, and phone scripts and things like that. But I but what I hear from you is that in any of these situations where you need to connect with someone else, it's really best to connect to yourself first and, and allow that to lead. That's interesting. Right. You know, there's there's techniques and there's processes um, out there that have been proven, so you don't have to reinvent it. But again, I think so many people, when they get into business, they start trying to follow everybody else and be just like them. And I was really struggling. I mean, even make, making phone calls and making connections with um, customers, it just wasn't 
happening. And, you know, it wasn't until she, you know, uttered those words, you know, create a pattern interrupt, that I felt like it was okay to be more of myself. And really, it became just being a little bit more genuine and real and, um, you know, what I had to offer, you know, versus just following, you know, the script or the process exactly, because it just seemed so fake. So can you give us an example? Example of, uh, let me make sure to understand, creating a pattern interrupt in just a conversation. Yeah, uh, yeah, just a pattern interrupt in a in a conversation, let's say. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just all about, um, you know, the techniques when you're calling to try to um, just, you know, reach out to someone, um, you know, and in cold calling, we've all done it, you know, knocking on the doors, you know, and everybody kind of tends to have the same kind of approach. And so and it, it's okay being a little bit different, sending something a little bit different to get their attention, mm-hmm. different conversations, just something that stands out that's unique that kind of stops someone and says, hey, this is not what I everyone else is saying. I like that. Interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about Seven Bridges. What type of customers do you serve? When did the business start? And what kind of specialties you have? What areas you focus on for your customers? Well, Seven Bridges is all about connecting clients with customers. Um, Everything we do is centered around building that bridge between the two. And, you know, of course, marketing automation is an instrumental part in making that happen. Uh, People often ask me, what does Seven Bridges stand for? quite a bit, but seven stands for the seven key elements that I feel like should be in every campaign, as well as the seven P's and C's of marketing. Hmm. And of course, that bridge signifies the gap between creative strategies and proven results. And of course, the current, you know, the client and the customer. So I feel so many companies, um, you know, both small and large, it's amazing to me how they just, they don't know enough about their uh, customers. And so there is that kind of that bridge. And, um, you know, again, we try to center everything around building that bridge and a, a communication between the two. Interesting. Can you tell us about those seven key components? Sure. Um, that all comes down to, you know, the audience that you're going after, mm-hmm. the medium that you're going to use. Obviously, it needs to be personalized and very relevant, um, compelling, and have a, a call to action. That's fantastic. And so in each of these campaigns that you run for your customers, you're always, do you bring this up in conversation with them and and allow this to drive kind of where um, the campaign workflow gets created from? Yeah. In fact, I start off um, with every customer really driving home because we do it on a daily basis with my own team that so many times when we start working on a project, we tend to somehow miss a basic. And so we always stop ourselves and go, okay, Does it have all of the right stuff in it to be successful? So when I open the relationship with a new person, you know, I kind of bring them on board so that they're constantly asking them that question, those questions as well as, are we going after the right, you know, audience? You know, are we using the right mediums? Because we all know that they're all powerful if used correctly and they become even more powerful when they're used together. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, the relevancy and the personalization. I mean, all of these things, if you make sure that you've checked each one off, um, your success is just, you know, I've watched it for years and years. It's just a way bigger success. Is there a certain type of company or industry that you focus on? You know, for the last um, year, I have been focusing primarily on um, other print service providers and marketing service providers because I've been in their shoes and I know how difficult it is. 
and um, a lot of times you don't have the entire team that you need uh, or that you need to have to build very successful campaigns. So that's a huge part, but we also work uh, with a, a lot of small businesses and even large businesses, um, just different offerings. Um, but they range from manufacturing to entertainment, hmm. education, so a variety of industries. It's probably the one thing that I enjoy most about what I do is I love learning about the different industries, what works for them, but also bringing kind of new ideas that work in other industries to them that they really haven't thought of. So many times we all get kind of stuck in our own world mm -hmm. and it's back to that same business process, do the same, you know, the things over and over the same way. And I think that even goes back to speaking to the creating a pattern interrupt and changing things up. Yeah. And something that I heard you say is that you work with other print uh, service providers. And so a lot of people that we speak to, you know, I'm sure, you know, obviously you're in the industry have issues or there's a disconnect between, Hey, we have a customer and okay, now what do we do to actually implement these cross media marketing campaigns? So do you come in do, do basically print service providers come to you saying, listen, we sold this client and we need to actually implement this campaign or they, we have some objective or problem that we want to solve. And then you help them with strategy or how do you get integrated into their process? Well, a couple different ways. First and foremost, it's uh, a lot of times we're all guilty of it. Doing your own self-promotion is so tough because the customer comes first and that's the thing that always, you know, you let go of. So I'm really big on, you know, that works, you know, and so helping them do their own self-promotion campaigns and stay very consistent on it. So where I can focus on that and then they can focus on their client. That's one way I work with them. Interesting. The second way is a lot of times they might be newer and, you know, may, they may not have someone that's really strong in strategy um, or creative or design or programming. And so what they kind of lack, you know, I tend to fill those shoes and uh, let's be honest, I made a lot of mistakes in uh, my years. I think we started in 2007, mm -hmm. uh, really got going in 2008. And of course, back then it took a while to get campaigns launched. So I've made a lot of those mistakes. So I feel like I'm helpful in, you know, showing them the way of what's worked. But of course, I'm still learning every day as well. So in order to fill those gaps, you said people don't have programmers or maybe they need strategy. What types of people do you have on your team? What skill set do you have on the people that work that you work with or that work for, for Seven Bridges? Um, Seven Bridges, we have strategy, so marketing, um, education, uh, marketing-minded people that have been in different industries. Uh, so a lot of strategy, um, programming, um, so actually HTML coding, different things to help things go live. And then, of course, uh, designers and video production. So, Shannon, I'm curious, given your background in print and the type of service that you offer, what do you perceive of the print market on the whole? And kind of what do you see going on in the print market that um, you know, from your unique vantage point, you think is, is um, important or, or worthy of note? You know, what, what are you seeing as you're working with these companies? Yeah, you know, that you bring up a good point, uh, because what I'm seeing is um, some of them not having the confidence in, you know, that transition from print service provider to marketing service provider. And that okay. kind of surprises me because a lot of them have even said, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I have what it takes to really be that. But I'm like, well, you've been helping your, you know, customers communicate since day one. So, I mean, yeah, you were kind of one of the mediums, but now you're just changing that conversation versus just 
what do you want me to print? Now you're, it's kind of like, what, why are you printing this? I mean, mm. what are you trying to accomplish with it? So I'm kind of surprised because these, you know, the people I'm working with, they, they have the potential they've, and, um, you know, they've built a huge business and, you know, can be very successful. But I think sometimes they kind of stand in their own way just because it's a little bit um, new to them. Do you often find that they actually have the right clients and, and customers to be able to take the campaigns to the next level? Oh, absolutely. Um, and they get pretty, right when they get started, of course, they get excited about the conversations. And that's what I always share with not only ownership, but the sales teams, because a lot of times I go in and do the presentations and show what they're doing for their own self-promotion so that everyone's involved, but also go out to those client meetings. And you start to see this... Um, change of conversation to you know it's no longer about that print and you see some sales reps get really mm -hmm. excited about this new track you know talk track um, and uh, they don't get stuck in this you know spec world and it just opens the doors to so many different things but that that is a challenge because I know these companies not everybody on their team is comfortable with those discovery questions and, and understanding to ask the right questions because they were trained um, primarily for print. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for the past, like, let's say 10 years or a decade and a half, maybe we've heard about this, you know, transition from PSP to MSP that companies are making. And, you know, kind of the industry as a whole has, has uh, at least from my perspective, said, you know, you need to make this transition or else you may not, you know, be around as a company. I'm curious from your perspective, do you think that that's true, that every printer needs to become a marketing service provider? Is that a necessary requirement for them to maintain their business or is that not necessarily the case? Well, Dave, I do feel like it's true. I feel like, and it, and it might depend on the level um, that they play, uh -huh. but I feel like it's very true that they need to consider this because if they don't, their competitors going to, and you know, if they don't have the conversations um, to help their, you know, their, their clients get better results. And that's what it's really about. Um, then someone else is going to have that conversation and that's where they stand to, to lose uh, that client. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I was with a partner of ours last week, sales rep actually, and he was saying, you know, that his view is that if you just do print, you're going to go broke. I mean, that was exactly his, his quote, um, you know, in response to me asking him why he was trying to offer additional services to his customer, because I'm intrigued by that, that whole notion. So it seems like you agree with that, right? If a company is uh, maintaining just their print business and, and intends to only uh, focus on that, they, they're going to lose opportunities, they're going to lose customers, they're going to lose out to competitors who do decide to offer those services. Am I hearing you right? Yeah, and I think it's just a matter of time. I mean, I'm still seeing it. I'm kind of, you know, I go back to when we really got started um, in 2008. You know, I really thought that more companies would already have integrated marketing cross-media, um, you know, and tracking and measuring everything they do. And, and I've been kind of shocked right. of how long it's it's taken for companies. I mean, but I go back to the variable data printing, which, you know, printers can relate to. I mean, we've had equipment and software for, you know, 15 years before it actually, you know, customers started using it. So mm -hmm. I feel like it's the same thing, that it's going to happen. They may have, you know, a few more years if they're really good printers where they're going to keep those clients. But if they don't start having those conversations um, to where in two or three years down the road that they're, you know, getting these clients um, engaged and showing them how to get better results. And, you know, let's be honest, a lot of times it's just because it involves so many people of that company 
to kind of they're they're built in silos and you kind of got to bring it together so it's not an easy task here's the great thing that I share with all of the print service providers and the MSPs is sometimes you know having the conversation and getting them thinking a the meeting is like you see everybody shaking their head up and down like they could really see themselves doing this and they're really excited so I never go into a conversation where everybody's kind of like nope not for me that may take a while but what's the worst case I tell them you can walk away it's kind of like a consolation prize hey you get my print sure well what an easier conversation to have you know versus you know I'll take your next print job and right. what are the specs and quantities so if you don't do it for any other reason do it for that <laughs> definitely you, you mentioned lack of confidence as one of the reasons why companies have had trouble making that transition what else do you notice you know I think it's uh, training lack of confidence and training okay and you know we all know that that just it takes doing these campaigns and that's where I'm really big on starting with yourself you know be willing to make the mistakes on your own self-promotion getting familiar with the process and what it takes because I do feel like some companies do that better than others I mean some can go I mean anybody can go out there and really launch a campaign and you know puts direct mail and email and social media and you know you guys provide such a great tool I mean so that can easily be done with the training that you guys offer but to really stand out and be different I mean you've got to really do I mean I feel like we're unique in the fact that we I mean, we take the time to figure out the current state um, to really help make a better change for the future so I invest a lot in research up front to help me build the best strategy I can you know and so instead of just asking you know what keeps my client up at night right I want to know what keeps his client up at night and I want to know what his what keeps his employees up and I want to know what keeps his competitors up and so then I start really seeing what's going on in that industry and then I can offer um, you know strategy to help them using um, all the great tools that are out there and I feel like so many uh, companies may not be prepared to um, go in with that approach and that's probably going to take a little bit of training for them to get there. Yeah, that's interesting. I a lot of people say, you know, you want to know what your customer, what keeps your customer up at night, but then you're taking it a step further and like your customer's customer and what's going on in the industry. And so it seems like it's a lot of research up front on your end. And so what what's that look like? Well, let's say you first, um, first of all, how do you find your client? And then once you do find your client, how does that go? Do you have to do a lot of upfront research? Do you work with them? Do you prepare a report and, and look at their numbers? You know, how does that look like to you? Um, you know, so a lot of the customers, you know, come from referrals or using the program, right? Mm -hmm. uh, getting the leads uh, through that way, through self-promotion. And then, of course, uh, what that looks like in the research is when I engage um, with a client and we start talking about, okay, what needs to happen? You know, I learn about their business and the challenges and what they're trying to accomplish with their business. And I do take the time up front to sit down and say, okay, is it okay if I talk to you? I make sure all ownership's involved. And then, of course, I say, can I, you know, talk to some of your employees? Um, can I talk to some of your customers? And then, of course, I do competitive uh, research and to see what I find, but also I have them kind of report to me what who they feel like their direct competitors are in their market. So it is a, a lot of upfront work, but it's worth it because I feel like when I really build that strategy and that message, um, it's pretty right on because I've seen kind of the um, the you know the full picture, mm -hmm. and um, so. You know, it is a lot of interviews, you know, sitting down, but I almost feel like it kind of helps me speed up the process when it's time to implement strategy. And how do you charge for that? 
I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, in some cases, it felt like I didn't, right? Okay. But, um, you know, I really do include that as far as I kind of know what I'm going to go in and how much time I'm going to spend um, talking to those different groups. And so I kind of build that in my proposal uh, in most cases, and, and I'm guilty of definitely probably uh, doing too much upfront research and not billing for it. But at the end of the day, if I get better results for them, it's kind of a – that's done. And then I've got um, good history and feel like I can build a lot of campaigns truly understanding. So I've got a couple, you know, scenarios. I mean, one in particular manufacturer comes to mind and really spent the time getting to know their customers and their competitors and, you know, found some areas that uh, that made recommendations even outside of the campaign. And really those will lead to other campaigns on down the road. How often when you do that, do you find that once that campaign goes live and you start generating leads, then you also need to become kind of a, what, what's the right word, maybe like sales oversight to make sure that those leads get followed up on? How often does, do you then find that there's opportunities there to improve you know, their process? Well, you, and you know, that's, you bring up a good point because what happens is I kind of start, and they even kind of tag me as this name, as a marketing champion. So I've got one particular client that comes to mind and basically went in and built their self-promotion uh, campaign, and that was what the original contract was for. Getting in there and building that obviously created a lot of excitement with their sales reps, and they could start seeing the endless possibilities. And um, so, you know, when I, I go on site um, once a month to work face-to-face um, -face with my client and their team, and majority of the time it's about the self-promotion but it's also about giving them the right tools to have those conversations with their customers because what that ends up happening is finding opportunities for both of us huh. and um, so in many cases that's a you know contract where I'm part of the team and uh, helping them build that strategy and bringing those things um, to them and and helping them with the presentations and all the tools that they need so that they are, their team is comfortable and they have someone that has experience because really that's the scary part is if you haven't launched campaigns, then sure. you're in front of a client and they're going to say, well, show me, yeah. show me what's worked, show right. me what you've done. Interesting. And when you go in these organizations, is there ever any department that typically you feel resistance from? Like, so maybe, I mean, I've heard you say multiple times today that the salespeople are just so excited, you know, or you're talking about in a print. Company? Yeah. In a print, in the print company, you know, you said the salespeople were really excited mm -hmm. or when they go on meetings, they have something new to offer. And I've heard, I've heard the opposite in some cases where the sales team is like, uh, uh, I've, you know, I've been selling this for so long and this is all I know how to do. So I was interested to know if you ever experienced that resistance. Like, let's say you get the buy-in from the marketing team or the, the, the C-level people, the executives, is there ever any groups within the organization that are, that push back at first? We brought, you brought something up right there that you hit it right on. And that is the ownership. If the ownership is all moving towards this and they have conveyed that message to that sales team I think that's the huge you know difference right there yeah wow. um, to where you don't have as much pushback so starting from the leadership saying that we're making this transition you know we want everyone on board that doesn't mean everyone's going to be on board but what happens real quickly and I've got one scenario where it's uh, uh, this rep John he's great and he's just I mean he's been in the print for 25 years and, you know, they always say that, you know, the, I don't want to call him an old dog. He wouldn't be offended. But, you know, he's he's kind of like, I'm, you know, I'm bored with this. I just, and he is so excited. And I think 
in this particular company, they didn't think he was going to be the one dragging me to all the appointments and, you know, all the phone calls and stuff. And I mean, he has, he's just so excited because he has something new to offer and uh, it just kind of livened him up. And so I think that the key was a ownership was involved and all agreed in this movement. And then once the sales reps knew that they were either going to play a role or not, um, that really defined that, I think, in that case and made a bigger success. So, Yeah, you know, hearing from you and then thinking back about our previous, Dave, you know, interviewees, it seems like it really starts with the ownership and the culture of the company. Sure. If, if the ownership and the culture is um, facilitating or, you know, being a catalyst to this change and this constant improvement, it seems like the people that are working there are on board. And if yep. not, then, you know, that that's something where people – you know, feel resistance. And I almost feel like it's probably the same owners that you have to, that are at first resistant to making the transitions themselves, where the people in the organization are also resistant. And so for all of our listeners out there, I think that if you haven't yet made this transition or you're working with companies that are wanting to make this transition, maybe you should consider thinking about or looking into your company and saying, okay, what, what is our ownership saying and what are, what message are they conveying to the teammates? I just think it's such a, you know, Shannon, it's such a hard um, transition to make because if you think about these companies, some of them are hundreds of years old, mm -hmm. right? And, and they're manufacturing mm -hmm. companies, really, when you think about it. I mean, many of them are, are, you know, many of our listeners, you guys and girls know this, you're involved in the manufacturing of a, of a commodity product to some degree. And to then say, all right, we're going to move our company from doing what we've been doing for tens or twenties, fifty years, whatever it is, to offering now marketing services, which it, which require a whole different skill set. It's really pivoting the company in a different direction, and or bringing on a whole new business model that is can be scary. Would you agree or or disagree with that? No, I absolutely agree, and that's what I see most often. And I think you know that is really. It's ownership's attitude. I think some of them are like, okay, we have to do this to survive because everybody else is telling us mm -hmm. um, to do it. Uh, but the one, you know, more recent that, you know, I'm working with, I mean, this owner and, you know, he's fourth generation. I mean, basically they are fourth, fourth generation, generation? Now. Wow. And wow. they basically have just said, we're going to do this or we won't survive. And yep. I mean, they hear their owners say that, that we have to make this change. Do or die. We have to offer more to our customers. So let me ask you then, if you are the CEO or, or the leadership or the, or the primary leader in one of these organizations and you're listening right now to this podcast, knowing what you know, Shanna, what, what would you do? What would be the first one, two or three things that you do that you, you need to put in place in order to be able to make this transition? Um, and that's a great question. The first thing you would need to do is obviously reach out to someone that is going to help you through this process to okay. work with you because it can't be just every once in a while. It's It's got to be kind of on a, you know, daily, weekly basis to kind of map that out. What's it look like? Um, so get help? Really um, focus on the internal. Yeah, you need to reach out and kind of help that, you know, if it's marketing that you're uncomfortable with, then you help, you get a marketing champion to come in that understands what, you know, marketing services provider looks like, what is cross media and you know, help you define what your offering is going to look like. And then, of course, you do a, you know, a big internal launch about the direction. And of course, I meet with these companies and it's always, you know, there's some of them that got print in their name. So how do yep. you handle that? We're viewed as a, you know, a print company. Yep. You know, for us to walk in and start talking about these marketing service provider, we're going to be laughed at. 
well, there's obviously ways around that. And I had that same challenge where the company I worked for was very known for certain things. Mm -hmm. So obviously we started a vision that we built the right team to go out and have these conversations. So we started with ground zero accounts that obviously brought on um, some campaigns. And then from that, once we had some case studies, we were able to go over and show the customers what we were doing. So that's one way. There's Each market's a little bit different. Each company's a little bit different. And so it may not be a division that you have to start, um, but that has been one way uh, that we've got around some of the challenges. So if I hear you correctly, you're saying, number one, get help in the areas that you think you're weak in. Is that right? Find your weaknesses. And, and, Absolutely. And buttress those with additional resources, whether they be consultants or internal resources or, or partners to help you. Okay. So that's number one. Then number two, interesting idea. You're saying do an internal launch of some sort, right? Some sort of uh, launch. In, in, in some cases, I, I think what you're saying is it's also a rebranding to some degree of the company. If it's, you know, so-and-so print and marketing or print and mail, you know, you're going to have to rebrand the company and, and come up with a new identity or, or a revised identity? Yeah, because, you know, in one particular case, for an example for that, when I went out and talked to their customers, um, there's, you know, they were, this particular company was really well known for the work they do. And I mean, received just numerous amount of awards for the great work that they do. And they, and they work with some really tough customers, such as agencies already, right? Hmm. So um, talking to the customers, the customers, I started hearing, they were scared, like, well, they're not changing, are they? They're not going to stop doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful in the way you approach your customers with bringing in these additional services. Because if you're doing a great job, they don't want you to change what you're doing. So you have to be able to communicate what these extra services are and what they mean to your client. And, of course, in this case, this particular customer, since agencies was such a big part, you know, they definitely don't want to go out and make these agencies feel like they're a competitor. So, and it's very different. I mean, they're not really going after the same type of work whatsoever. They're just trying to make print more powerful and work for their um, customers. And of course, bringing those things that they're already doing all together and helping them track and measure. Yeah, that's interesting. As you, as you talk about agencies, I've noticed, or I'm sure you've noticed too, but agencies are very siloed or they have been up until now. And so, you said something that was they view the printer like, well, wait, you're not going to go do something else, right? And um, do you feel like the printers have to sort of educate? The printers that are now marketing service providers, do they have to educate on moving away from the siloed approach to making print more valuable by allowing it to connect with other channels? Absolutely. You know, I don't feel like um, – I feel like every company – has to, has to spend a lot of time and effort in that education because it amazes me today that I, you know, I've been communicating this message to clients of my own and they're still not getting it, but it's because, you know, we all have so much information coming at us in so many different ways. So, you know, you can't really explain and show that to them enough. And here's what happens. A lot of times you can get uh, customers to do kind of one-off projects, I call it. And, um, you know, they do a project and then get great results, and then you're thinking, all right, well, then they're just going to go ahead and do that for all these different areas because it's the same thing. And I'm always amazed, like, no, they don't think that way. So maybe you did an example. Maybe you did an event and you used, you know, more of a marketing services provider method and cross-media and you brought these things together, and they get great results. They get a lot of people there, and, you know, 
pre-show, post-show marketing. And so you think, hey, they get this. They're going to use it for their lead generation and their customer loyalty and all these other areas, and they don't. It's just kind of they really kind of keep things in silos, and they don't, you know, look at it as you can use this technology for everything and know every campaign and understand your customer. And I think that's so, you know, you can't educate enough, and these print providers, marketing service providers, cannot communicate that enough to their customers. And it feels like you're saying it a lot, but you have to show them. You have to just kind of lead them. Awesome. And one thing that I saw on your website is that you guys um, offer mass media and the use of video. So I was interested beyond just the typical email, direct mail, landing pages, what different media channels do you like to incorporate in your campaigns or do you encourage to incorporate? Well, we try to tell customers. I mean, obviously we know there's some um, that really mass still works for them really well. Mm -hmm. And we're like, that's okay. Then if we're doing a certain campaign, then we make use of generalized URLs, uh, campaign URLs, to at least put as much tracking and measuring we can. So we know where things are coming from. Mm -hmm. And um, and of course, use of video, I'm seeing that increase. And I'm really encouraging a lot of our clients to use it more. I mean, you just, no one takes the time to stop and read. And um, being able to watch short, quick videos to get that message and even having some fun, again, back to the creative pattern interrupt. Mm -hmm. I've seen some companies do a great job about using video to um, kind of position that message another way. So you said something pretty cool. You talked about making print more powerful, right? I think that was the mm -hmm. that was the quote I you had that. there. Yeah, that was really cool. So can you talk to the printers that are listening right now and give them maybe one or two examples of where you think you've made print more powerful? You know, either in the case where you're helping the printer self-promote and generate new business or where you're helping the printer offer these services to their customers. Can you just give us a few examples that come to mind? Absolutely. You know, the first thing, if anyone's, you know, trying to make that transition, the first easy one is, you know, you're sitting there with great equipment that um, can make use of variable data. And uh, I think this is an area that people are most uncomfortable with. And and I work with both large and small companies and you know I'm I'm always amazed that they really don't know who their ideal customer is. Hmm. And I think there's just so many systems that companies have that it's really hard for them to figure out who their customers are and then of course not even having the right information um, about them. And you know I'm even amazed sometimes when I ask for you know data and and there's no emails. I'm like these are your customers. How do you not even have an email yet? So uh, and that's not even a prospect conversation. So Really, the first step is being able to, you know, show their customers that they can take print and add personalization, you know, through, you know, text and images to relate to that customer. So they don't have to send out, you know, everything the same. It takes a little more work getting through that database, um, you know, to do that. But it, that's really, you know, not hard and the right tools. Um, out there to use. And so that's just one way to make print more powerful right out of the gate. Is that where you start most conversations then is talking about how to create a dynamic, you know, personalized piece? Yes. A lot of times it's just you want that piece to get attention. And so to get attention, it's got to be, you know, it's got to relate to the person it's being sent to. So there's some really easy things that you can do um, and use your data and, you know, connect it with that piece. Then from there, you can go on to you want to do personalized URLs or QR codes or, you know, again, 
a lot of great cool technology, right? But it all comes back to understanding who are your clients and who are your ideal, um, you know, targets. And I feel like so many people kind of forget that step, but it's the most important step. And it's not easy to get through that information and develop it, but I'm a big believer on every, if you're going to launch a campaign, you need to be asking some questions in that campaign and learning something each and every time. And then you need to turn around and reuse that information moving forward. So just out of curiosity, and I, I don't know if this is a scientific response on your part, but how, how often are you, are you working with printers where, you know, creating a variable data direct mail piece is something that's new or not done that often? You know, I... <laughs> I see some pretty large companies that uh -huh. I'm shocked that they're not doing more um, digital variable uh, jobs. Okay. And, you know, they're starting, you know, they're starting to have the conversations, you know, with the client. But, um, yeah, they're just kind of still. Yeah, that's fascinating that's to mind -blowing. me. mind-blowing. You know, stuck in the, and these aren't small companies. Um, and they're doing a little bit, but they're, you know, uh, not doing a lot of it. Especially if they already have the technology in-house and the, and the capabilities. That's what's interesting to me. Well, I think it goes back to what you and I have talked about a lot. I mean, just like people have our technology, right? Yeah. Mindfire technology, but creating the content and the messaging and even just figuring out, okay, if we're going to vary the image, so what are we going to vary it to? Yeah. You know, I mean, that mm -hmm. that's a whole other art and science. So that's, that's fascinating. Well, and it's almost in my opinion that I feel like they kind of get stuck on their looking at these, you know, great tools, just like you said, of you know, all right, it's helping with the short run, but they kind of are missing the real power. Yeah, for short run, but add that personalization to it. Uh, that's what it was really built for, both short run and to be able to be um, personalized. I mean, I remember years, years back, I mean, this really goes back probably 18, 20 years ago, I mean, the HP Roadshow, and I mean, they were showing personalization on a, you know, the first Indigo, and and uh, I'm just amazed how many companies still aren't jumping in there. And I don't know if it's being scared about the data and not having the right team member to help um, customers through that process, if that's why, or it's just we offer offset large runs and then we have short run capability. Yeah, and as you go into these companies and you start with self-promotion, do you notice that when you work with a print company transition to marketing services on launching self-promotion, once they have them ongoing, do you then notice that the transition to offering these services to their clients is an easier or more seamless transition? Meaning once they're doing self-promotion on their own company and they're generating more revenue for their own print company or wide format or whatever they specialize in, do you see them being more open to now going in and offering that to their customers and, and making their print more powerful? Oh, absolutely. I think it's, it's confidence. I mean, they start understanding how it really all works together. Um, so they know how to have that conversation and, you know, kind of all the parts and that's from, you know, ownership to, to even down to uh, sales reps of kind of what's going on and how it works. And then of course, you know, doing your own self-promotion, that's important to make sure that you're top of mind for your customers and all the different things that you offer. Um, but also, you know, it's just you find the opportunities along the way because you have those, you know, I remember doing it for the first time and calling to follow up after I got a notification on the lead and, you know, I can't even get to the conversation because the person's like, that was really cool what you sent me. I mean, yeah. that was, you know, they were so fascinated of the whole, you know, kind of process that we segue into that conversation, which was great because guess what? We offered that too. So, but, you know, 
ultimately it was about to tell them about one of the services that we offered. So I feel like that really kind of opens um, the dialogue more and they just get you know more confident. So Shanna, we like to ask all of our guests this question um, and we still are looking for that oddball response, yeah, right, Mackenzie? We, we haven't gotten one yet. But <laughs> Maybe it'll be Shanna. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Drum roll, please. Yeah. So here's the question. What's something Pressure. you believe is true that most people don't? You know, I don't know that it's necessarily that that most people don't believe it. Okay. It's just, as I mentioned before, I'm shocked more and more companies don't do it, and that is take the time to look at their information. And we all know that information is power, and so if that is true, imagine how big they could be if they just use their information. So it's not that they don't believe it. I guess I'm just shocked that um, they don't spend the time um, to do it especially in this day and age when it's so competitive and everybody's looking for lead generation. Sure. So is that what you mean by information is using the data they already have on their customers or in their prospects? Yes. Interesting. Cool. Yeah, cool. I like that. So I'm sure that people are going to be or are going to be looking to connect with you. Absolutely. Yeah, where where is the best place they can they can reach you? Um, you know, your contact information and and where can they find out more about Seven Bridges? Um, you know, website, obviously, sevenbridgesmarketing.com, uh, and that is the number seven. And, of course, I'm on all the different channels and social media, so LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, um, and et cetera. So email um, Shanna at sevenbridgesmarketing.com. So call, cool. text, whatever you would like. <laughs> How do they text you? 918-720-7789. Are you okay if people contact you there? Absolutely. All right. Awesome. I'm sure you'll get a few. Just identify who you are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't be a creeper. <laughs> but I think we're we're trying this new thing here, right, with uh, with our guests. So Shanna, what we're gonna what we're going to do is we're going to ask people to submit their questions for you to both Mackenzie and to and to me, and then invite you back in a couple of weeks to actually answer those questions because typically we get a bunch of questions and we respond or we forward them on. But I think it would be kind of cool to be able to. Mm -hmm go through some of those questions and have you answer them in this kind of format. So folks, if you're listening to this, send in your questions, your comments for Shanna, and we're going to take those in a, in an upcoming episode. Yeah. And basically we just signed Shanna up for an episode <laughs> yeah, part, for two part two without, without clearing it by her. So hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you're okay with that, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, assumptive close right there. <laughs> yeah. You've signed your life away. Now you have your, t your phone <laughs> out there. Yeah. A second episode. <laughs> Do you want to move to Southern California? It's really pretty here. <laughs> Well, good. Well, yeah, if there's any questions I can answer, anything, you know, I can do, again, I think helping people along this journey, um, I had that, you know, that's what I had is people kind of walking me through it. Yes, I had the love for marketing and, you know, the passion for that, so it made it all that more exciting, but um, I think everybody kind of working together, um, you know, makes, creates those, you know, small victories and those big wins, so anything I can do for anyone out there, would love to help. Awesome. Well, keep on bridging. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, that's how she signs her emails, that was, isn't that was it? That's wonderful. Yep, keep bridging. Yep, that was keep wonderful. bridging. <laughs> All righty. Right. Well, thank you, and I hope you have a great day, and we will, we'll definitely talk to you soon on our next episode, but probably before that. Not the next that. episode, yeah. The next with her. Have a good day. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Wow, that was cool, Mackenzie. What would you think about that? I really liked it. One of the things that I liked about Shanna is that she's really clear and calm and concise. Mm -hmm. And I feel like unlike she, us, <laughs> unlike uh, unlike <laughs> us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all so silly and hyper, yep. and then we've got her. No, but it, it's interesting because 
she's so thought out and you can see or tell that she's like that when she works with her customers yeah. and yeah. That she just has this laser focus about her and i think that's one of the reasons that she's so successful and that she's able to really help companies because she can you know go in there find their pain points and see okay what resources can we fill in those gaps to help them out so hey. i really i really enjoyed it yeah you mentioned that it's interesting because we were with her last week or the week before i'm mm -hmm. losing track of time i was with her and and uh C.C. Smith, one of our other guests in San Antonio. Don't throw salt on the wound that I wasn't there with you. Yeah, where were you? <laughs> where were you? I was at Coachella. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she has a personality style that's different than what you might think in the, in the classic salesperson, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe that's just my bias, my perspective. But it's interesting, and it's a good reminder for me that a variety of different personalities can sell, mm -hmm. right? You don't have to be flamboyant. Not that she's not... Uh, maybe it's good to be flamboyant or I don't know what it, if, if it is or not, but she's got a different personality and yet she's able to connect with print owners um, and people that are running these print companies and helping them move forward. Yeah. And that's one of the things she talks about in the episode, which I really enjoyed is that you have to own who you are, you know, that's rather true. than trying to be someone else, it's yeah. own who you are. And that's who she is clearly. And I mean, didn't she say that once she realized who she is, yeah, you can train people to call, chain, train best practices, what time yep. to reach out to people, but you can't train someone to be who they are. Yeah, so and true. Yeah, once you are allowed so to. So that's why I did this. Because <laughs> that's who we are. <laughs> that's We're who silly. I am. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for uh, joining us today. We look forward to seeing you soon. Comment on the blog. All righty. Bye. Bye. Bye.